not going to be reading from the scripture so much as just kind of showing you where I'm talking about the different things that's going on. So yeah, I mean, John chapter 12 is, um, they're getting ready for the Passover. It's just before the Passover and um, they're going to be going into the um, into Jerusalem and this is where the uh, crowd's going to be in the triumphal entry which is going to be in verse 12. Um, that's where the triumphal entry is. This is, if you remember, uh, you know, he had raised Lazarus from the dead and they had this whole plot to kill Jesus and of course they couldn't just kill Jesus, they were also going to have to kill Lazarus, you know, because somebody might remember he was dead and now he's been raised so hey, after a while, after they kill him, maybe they'll forget he was raised from the dead. Um, takes a little bit of extra planning and um, scheming and some mental gymnastics to go okay he was dead he's been raised from the dead so what should we do let's kill him and then people will forget he was raised from the dead at some point you're kind of forgetting that whole part he was raised from the dead it, 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 Maybe you should think about that a little bit, and you know, um, because in their religious understanding, only God could raise somebody from the dead. And the fact that Lazarus was raised from the dead, they should have been able to say, God did that. But they're trying to say, the devil did it? He's not of God. Um, he's, I mean, they're not being honest with themselves. So somehow, and isn't that what people do though? A lot of times when they're wanting to go against God, they're able to do some mental gymnastics. You know, there's people that leave their spouses saying, "God told me this other person was for me." How many of you know that's not God breaking a covenant? That's not God. Um, you know, God told me to go to the strip club and witness to the strippers. <laughs> and uh, that, was, <laughs> that wasn't God. <laughs> God told me to go do heroin with the heroin addicts to tell them about, uh, no. <laughs> you know, these mental gymnastics that people will do to, to be able to do sin. God told me to go to the bars and get drunk with people so I could tell them about Jesus. You know. No, brother, that was not God. Um, and so there's all these mental gymnastics they're doing, and they're, and they're going to try to kill Lazarus, and they're going to try to kill Jesus. They got this whole plot going on. They got this whole plan. <clears throat> and, of course, nothing is going on without, without God's plan. They're, they're um, never able to do anything without what, what Jesus has planned. And... Uh, as they're going in and as all these people are going you know in, in uh, verse 12 and following hosanna hosanna and you got thousands and thousands of people saying yay king of the jews hosanna in the highest let's see what do they say exactly um verse 13 they're laying down the branches and they're saying hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord blesses the king of israel um And so they are acknowledging 
that he is coming in the name of the Lord. They're acknowledging King of Israel. They're basically acknowledging who Jesus is. They're acknowledging they want him to be king. They're acknowledging they want him to be leader. They're excited about him coming to Jerusalem. They're excited about him being a leader. And this isn't the first time they're acknowledging Jesus as this. Remember when he fed the 5,000? They wanted to force him to be king at that time. They wanted to force him. Of course, they wanted to force him to be king so he'd feed them. Right? <laughs> hey, if he's king, we'll get good food, you know. <laughs> Happy meals for the rest of our life. Yay. Yeah, this is, this is awesome, man. We just sit in the grass in circles and the food comes. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Great. Uh, Jesus for life. Yeah, hope and change. We got this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he said, eat my body, drink my blood. And they said, uh, give us manna from heaven. Uh, eat my body, drink my blood. Uh, eh, we're going to go follow somebody else. And, uh, and But here they are by the thousands. And, of course, this is freaking out all the religious leaders really bad. If it wasn't bad enough. Because they know that the Roman leaders are going to see this. And they're afraid that they're going to think that Jerusalem is rebelling against Rome. Remember, they were an occupied territory, so they had the semblance of freedom, but they didn't have real freedom. So Rome owned them, but they had, you know, a king, a puppet king, Herod, you know, but he didn't really have the authority. That's why Pilate was the one that sentenced Jesus to death. They had the Roman rule, and they had the Roman authority. And if Rome thought that they were rising up, which happened in 70 AD, if they thought they were rising up and rebelling, then they could come down and crush them. And that's what they were afraid. If they see all these thousands of people, and it was thousands, tens of thousands of people going Hosanna in the highest and all this stuff happening, then they thought, oh man, Rome's going to come and crush us. So they had legitimate concerns. Uh, about this Jesus. They had legitimate concerns about people following him. Uh, plus, you know, their biggest concern was they didn't control him, right? You know, most people don't want a God they can't control. That's a problem. The people didn't want a king they couldn't control. You want somebody you control. People, you know, one of the reasons people don't like Donald Trump as a president is they want a president they can control. Yeah, that's why there's people on both sides that don't like him. There's Republicans and Democrats that don't like him because he doesn't toe the line. <laughs> he kind of does it the way he wants to do it. They can't. They can't fight. Yeah, but 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 wait, you're not you're not following my Republican plan. Well, you're not following my Democrat plan. Well, you're not following. You're just doing it the way you want to do it. You know, that's not right. That's no good. You gotta follow our plan. You gotta you gotta follow the establishment plan. You gotta you gotta follow Washington's plan. You gotta follow the principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness plan. Not that he's some angel of light or anything, he's just a man. <laughs> they don't like that. They want someone they can control. <laughs> Praise God that he can use just a man to confound all these powers be. <laughs> and uh, and so here's Jesus coming in and and uh, what, what I want to share with you is <clears throat> something that's happened and, and it's happening all around because 
there's always various things happening within the church and within nations, um, churches, individuals, groups. You'll have various things going on, and, and we can see it, and, and we've been looking at some of the different characters around Jesus, and we see happening in our lives. Some of us are more like Peter, some of us are more like John, some of us are more like Andrew, some of us are more like different in characters around Jesus. Um, that's why we can look at some of the characters and we can understand ourselves better, some of the different groups around Jesus, we can, we can understand better. And so as we look at some of the different things that are happening, uh, we can understand better some of the things that are happening around the world, uh, some of the things that are happening in our times. And, and we're at such a crucial time in church history, um, there are individuals that are glad and have been glad to see Jesus and see the Spirit of God as, as it's moved forward in certain ways, and they've accepted that and they're good with what he was doing and how he is moving, different revivals, different things that's happening. Uh, but now as, as Jesus is doing different things and he's, he's moving forward in ways that, that they're not necessarily accepting, you know, here's all these thousands, and remember, in just a few days, he's going to be on trial, and how many people are going to be there supporting him? Can you count them? <laughs> are there thousands that are? I mean, when they're when they're crying, when 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 Pilate asks, "Should I release Barabbas or should I release Jesus?" What was the overwhelming vote? Barabbas. Barabbas. So, I don't know how many were for Jesus at that time, but the majority, or at least the loudest group, was for Barabbas. And as far as I know, when you're getting down to the very end, and he's on the cross, I hear a lot of people mocking him. I see, I hear a lot of people, you know, saying prophesy, you know, or... or he saves others, why can't he save himself? You know, oh, he's calling for Elijah to deliver him. Let's see if he comes and deliver him. You know, all kinds of mocking, all kinds of stuff like that. I see him wagging their head at him. I see all this kind of stuff. Um, and even the, the, the ones that are being crucified next to him are mocking him. And I see John and Mary, and there was another woman there. So there's like three there that are supporting him. I see... Um, you know, Joseph of Arimathea and um, Nicodemus coming for his body. I don't see a whole lot that are there at the end that are supporting him. So when, when Jesus' ministry, when his life doesn't look like what we think it should look like, there's not as many people that stay there till the end. Um, when uh, when he's talking about being betrayed, when he's talking about people coming and arresting him, he's talking about dying, there's some that'll be bold, like Peter, right? And say, I'll fight to the end. I'm going to die with you. And, and there's those that will, will say they're going to be bold, right? You ever hear people make really bold statements? I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be to the end, you know? And some of them... When, when things start happening, they stand up real loud and bold. Ever, ever see a conflict come and there's those that run up and they're the first ones into the fight? Ever see people like that? 
You ever see them be the first ones to disappear right after the conflict? There's some of them that are. They're the first ones to disappear. That's what Peter was, right? He was there. He was right there, first one in the conflict, runs up, cuts off the servant here. I'm sure he's trying to cut off his head. I was looking over his ear. Now, to his credit, he still went to the courtyard of the high priest. I mean, that's, give him credit. That's pretty bold. That's pretty brave of him to do that. Amen? And most of us would not have done that, especially after that failed attempt with the sword. We would not have gone to the courtyard. We, he went there. John got him in. But then that's when, and of course, that's where we all get, get hard on Peter. You know, he's denying Jesus, calling down curses, even when a servant girl's asking him. And he goes out and weeps. And, and, and many times, the ones that make the boldest statements and say, I'm going to be with you to the ends are the ones that don't make it. Yeah. Did you notice John never made those statements? Notice that. And the other ones were all questioning, who is it, who is it, who is it, who is it? John wasn't there making those questions. You know what John was doing? Remember at the Last Supper? You know what John was doing? But John he, was there through the whole time. Yeah, and you, you know, where, where, what was he doing at the Last Supper? Yeah. He was just laying up against Jesus, just enjoying his presence. You know why? Because John loved Jesus, and Jesus loved John. So he's there enjoying his presence. You know, you know why John was following Peter and Jesus when, when Jesus is talking to Peter, you know, after the resurrection and, and Peter's going, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. And John's following. Peter's like, well, what about that guy? And, and Jesus is like, well, what if I want him to stay till I come back? What's, what is that to you? Don't worry about it. You know, and he's just kind of following him along. You know why he's doing that? I just love Jesus. He's just in his presence. He wasn't looking for anything. He wasn't asking for anything. He wasn't trying to get anything. He's just, hey, it's Jesus. I'm just going to kind of tag along. Did you ever notice him? Like, he was with Jesus in all these places. Mount of Transfiguration. He's raising this little girl from the dead. He's, you know, all these different places. You ever notice him really asking for anything or really saying much of anything or, or doing much of anything that stood out? Not really. He's just there. And, and how did he identify himself in the Bible? The disciple that Jesus loved. He was there just receiving his love and giving his love. And that's love, that understanding of love is what carried him all the way to the foot of the cross. All the way to the, the tomb. Who, who went to the tomb after the resurrection? Who, as soon as they found out Jesus was resurrected, Peter and John ran all the way up to the tomb. They were there. I mean, right there. I mean, it, it's that love that carried him. Peter had faith. He had faith to make a declaration. I'll be there. I'll fight to the end. I'll, I'll die with you. But that faith only carried him up to a certain point, to that point of fear, to where then he denied him and he went out weeping. But the love is what carried him to the very end. It's that love that really releases it. It's that love that truly brings ultimate faith and blessings and true prosperity in our lives. As we understand the love of God in our lives and, and, and that is released in us and we're able to love Him, that's where the real faith and blessings and the whole power of the Spirit is released in us. And so we're in a time now where there's many people that 
they've accepted God on their terms. They've accepted um, Christianity on their terms. And God's doing different things and new things. And he's moving into this age that we're in. And it don't look right to them. You know, we're in a time where Jesus is in the garden saying, not my will, but yours be done. And they're sleeping. You know? Uh, we're in a time where Jesus is being arrested by a bunch of paganistic people, religious people, and Jesus is being tried by the religious and being falsely accused, and they're out hiding somewhere in their house. Uh, we're, we're at a time where Jesus is being beaten and mocked and have a crown of thorns put on his head, and they're nowhere to be found. Uh, you know, we're, we're at this time where there's all these things going on and, and they just, they don't, they don't want to be there. We need to be that John. We need to be that one that, that understands his love and, and realize that, you know, we're not going to have a lot with us. How many of you know, John wasn't there with a big pocket full of money, <laughs> right? John wasn't there with a bunch of weapons and a bunch of people by his side going, hey, John, we got your back. John wasn't there with a bunch of confidence knowing if someone came up to him that it was going to be all right. <laughs> I mean, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. But <laughs> seeing him on the cross and knowing at any moment they could come and say, hey, you were with him. You're with his mother. You're next. I mean... I don't know. Not, not a whole lot of assurance, I guess. Except in his spirit. I mean, he knows Jesus is God. But knowing the love, and knowing that that love was more than just the love of a man. Yes. It was the love of God. See, it wasn't just this guy, Jesus, a carpenter's son that loved him. This is God. God loves me. The Father loves me. I've seen the Father. And because I know the Father and the Father loves me, I have eternal life. So why wouldn't I be here? He's on the cross, but I have eternal life. He's dying, but he can't die. He's going away, but he's going to return. I don't know what it all means, but I know this, this can't be the end. This, this can't be the end. This is just the beginning. And so he had that kind of confidence to know and that kind of love to know that would carry him to the end. And that's where we're at in church history. And so I know there's a lot of attacks. There's a lot of things going on in, in ministries and areas that God's wanting to use in this area and around the world. Uh, uh, different places like, uh, you know, like Acts Ministry and and us and different leaders that God's wanting to use. And, and what God has done is, is he keeps these different places and things quiet, secret, hidden, in a sense, for a time, for that, that development time, because he knows the enemy will try and come and kill. It's like Jesus when he's born, right? When the announcement's made and they realize, oh, here's the king, what does the enemy do? He sends out soldiers to kill all the babies, so God has to say, you need to go hide. And he sends the baby to another country to hide. 
and then comes back later. There are times when he has to hide things from the enemy because if he doesn't, then the enemy is going to go and kill. And so there's been a time for certain ministries, certain individuals, certain groups to be kind of hidden away for a time. Even Jesus. Remember when Jesus first started ministering? That was one of the things he would always do. He'd be like, shh, don't tell anybody what I did. Don't tell anybody who I am. And he tried to do that for as long as possible because he could be more effective if they didn't know what he was doing and who he was, he could do more and have a better foundation of ministry until they knew who he was. At some point then, yeah, okay, he just had to let them know. And, uh, and so that's what God's been doing in this area in different ministries, different places. Uh, unfortunately, I have to admit it reluctantly, but God has me as a key individual in a lot of what he's planning on doing. Um, in his kingdom, in this area, and around the world for this time. I'm not saying that to be some kind of braggart or something. It's just God chose me. It's not my choice. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I would have picked somebody else. I would have picked someone better. I always thought if I ever wrote a book, it'd be Confessions of a Reluctant Leader. I wouldn't have picked me. But it's coming to a time now where i got to start moving forward in that and, and letting it be revealed. Um, but I've always been reluctant in that. But that's just the way it is. I can't help it. They weren't really yet to accept the unconditional love with no conditions attached that Jesus had. Yep. It had to be their way so that they could pick and choose who they wanted to follow or love. Isn't it funny how people want to put conditions on God? <laughs> All right, God, I'll do it. But here's the what you got to do. Yes. I got one condition. Well, and oh yeah, one more. Oh wait, and one and one more. Oh, and I almost forgot one more. <laughs> I'll follow you, but it wasn't that you know you see that in Jesus. It's kind of a almost humorous where it's like okay jesus i'm gonna follow you but let me first oh hey, hey i'm on my way but let me i just gotta yeah yeah just almost ready one minute one minute just one yeah. just one thing um okay so hopefully you're kind of following what i'm talking about i don't even know what i'm talking about <coughs> um so another interesting thing is um, some of the things I want to talk about is some of the things like um, repentance is interesting. You know, so often when people talk about repentance, they all talk about, you know, sinners repent. Repent, you wicked sinner. You need to turn away from your evil sins and come to God. And, and as I've shared before and trying to work out how to present it in a clearer way, is repentance has to do with the changing of the mind, and, and it is turning to God. And, and obviously there is that aspect of, uh, you know, turning from sin and, and those types of things where sin is falling short of the glory of God. But it, there's something about the idea of repentance that people tend to just totally 
focus on the sin aspect of it or like you know talk about repentance and they're thinking about like you know prostitution or drug addiction or you know all these kind of you know like wicked sins or something like that um and it's they just totally seem to think sin when you hear repentance and it's not that uh you know it's that getting that right mindset of god and, and i think it's important to, to learn how to focus better on the idea of getting that right mindset of God and get away from this whole idea of just sin, 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 sin. I think that's always been a problem in the church is too much focus on sin and not enough focus on God. As a matter of fact, what did Jesus focus on when he was teaching? If you look at his teachings, what was his primary teachings? He talked about like the kingdom of God, you know, what the kingdom of God was like, things like that, you know, God, what it was like. I mean, he didn't have a lot of teaching on sin. He, he, would, he would share uh, about righteousness, what righteousness needed to be like, but his primary focus was on God and what, what it was like. He'd, he would deal with the religious attitudes of the day and, and some of the hypocrisy and some of that stuff, but... But really, the focus was more on God, kingdom of God, things like that, than it was on sin. Um, so uh, I, I, I thought of one good way to, to represent that idea of repentance. Think about the rich young ruler. Remember the rich, rich young ruler when he comes to Jesus? And he talks about, you know, what do you have to do to be saved? And, uh, you know, Jesus says, well, what do you have to do? And he you know, talks about following the commandments. He said, have you done that? And he's like, yes. Yeah, he said, I've done that since I was young. So he was young, he was rich, he was a leader. So what was some big, huge sin? Did he have some big, huge sin in his life that he needed to repent of? I mean, he was a healthy young man that was a good leader in his community. Um, he was tithing, he was honoring his parents he was not committing adultery he was doing all he wasn't some big sinner right but he still needed to repent he needed to get that mindset on god mindset on the kingdom of god um and and that's that idea when it comes to repentance the changing of the mind anyway i think i covered what i need to anybody got anything you want to share I think I might have shared something. I'm not sure if I did or not. Anybody get anything? Okay. I don't always know. I try to communicate. I just don't always know if I do or not. I think I know what I'm trying to say. I just don't know if I say it. But they still have yet to understand that the love that Jesus had it still has was unconditional totally forgiving there always has to be a but or, or else in there so they can have an out to have a different way to go because they're not totally ready for just Jesus most of the world is not. But that is, it comes down from history. Yeah. Right. 
whenever you tune in to Jesus on his love, that is the ultimate love. If you can get that, that is the ultimate love that forgives everything. It puts no conditions on anyone. You accept them as they are. Tune in to him. I like that. Or we'd be, be like John, just hang out with Jesus. Just like That's him. it. Ah, yeah, same with, remember Martha and Mary, There's, there was a similar kind of thing where, yeah. We can hang out with him just as much as John can. Yep, we absolutely. Love, we love him and he loves us. That's right. Yeah, there was 11 other guys that had the same opportunity. He was just the only one that did it. One of them betrayed him. to learn the basic of that is you put the other person first. Always the other person first. Yeah. That is the ultimate love. Put the other person first before you. Love seeks not its own. That's right. True that. Anybody else got anything? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for all that you are doing in our lives and that you are showing us and continue to show us. And I ask you, Lord, to bless us throughout this week and to help us to know your love, to accept your love, and to share your love. In Jesus' name, amen.